Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got a jam-packed episode. We've got Patricia Train on. We've been trying to get her on for a while. She was dealing with COVID, but now she's better. We've got Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com, former, or not NJ, he's not of NJ.com anymore. He's of The Athletic, covering the Jets. So he was there at the Giants-Jets uh, joint practice, so... The joint practice stuff we'll save for the interview with that. And then we got to talk about some other topics. Sterling Shepard coming off the pup, injuries, and some uh, signings, including a tight end and Tanner Hudson. There's a lot. There's a lot. You got to listen to this entire episode. Justin, how are you? You have to listen to this entire episode from start to finish. You don't want to miss a thing. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, we just kind of chatted with our Patreon for a couple minutes before. We started talking about like the rest of the NFC East and some stuff like that. Convince I'm feeling good. Are- yeah, we convinced ourselves good. that the Giants are going to win the division. How Giants great the Giants offense is going to be. Everything. Giants are going to win everything. So um, we didn't really talk about this a lot with Zach Rosenblatt at all, um, you know, because he's media some clowns. But Daniel Jones did look very, very good today. And anytime that the Giants offense has gone up against another opponent, they've looked decently okay. Excited to see them play against the Jets starters this Sunday. So we'll see about that. But I'm feeling good despite everybody and their mother getting hurt yeah so it, it there's i mean I'm, I'm in love with this giant scheme to the cover one uh breakdown the other day with eric turner that was awesome um so we're gonna get into it we're gonna start with sterling shepherd coming off the pup but first this episode was brought to you by who were they brought to you by their ba- david haldeman he's not helmsman's like the helmsman's whatever the mayonnaise company is and then helmsman's our own, uh, we had one, but our only member of the family tier. And if you don't know what the family tier is, you can't fa- afford it. Gerardo <laughs> Starna of Brazil, Michael Matosius, which reminded me of Mac- RJ McIntosh, and then Andrew Hadaz, the voice of the Utica Comets. Justin, who are these people? If you want to be part of the Talking Giants family, you go to patreon.com slash talking giants. Now everybody's part. If you're a listener, you're part of the family. But if you want to be real family members, like blood family members, you know how you have your family members that you're, you're friends with and then your family members that, you know, your your blood relatives, you're a blood relative if you're a Patreon member. So go there, patreon.com slash talking giants. Fun perks. You know the deal. That's where you got to go. All right. Sterling Shepard is off the pup list. Tours Achilles eight months ago. Eight months ago. Um. This is can be a very big addition, an important addition to the Giants offense. And I hate using this disclaimer, but it feels like we have to do it with so many New York Giants uh, players, especially if important he's healthy. players. If he's healthy. Like, obviously, Shep has missed games every single year and is coming off the most serious injury of his career. So, but I, I'm interested to see what, <clears throat> one, one do, how does he look coming off the torn Achilles? It's not a guarantee. Like, he's... You know, he might not be the same player. So how close is he to that player that he was? Um, also, the Giants drafted Wandale Robinson, who I think is going to have more of a learning curve than people think. You know, they're not hiding Wandale Robinson. He's just having some uh, struggles adjusting to the NFL. But how how much do they split the reps with him and Wandale? Because Justin, when he's on the field, he's extremely trustworthy. He's the most reliable wide receiver. 
He's led the Giants in yards per game the last two seasons and was the only guy not held back by Jason Garrett's offense. Well, guess what? He's a great fit for Brian Dable's offense because there's so much that has to do with using the right leverage, breaking the route off at the right time, being trustworthy. Uh, and he's with Daniel Jones. Had a 78% catch rate with Daniel Jones the last two years. Uh, and full games with Daniel Jones last year, averaged eight and a half catches, 94 yards per game. So he's been really good. He's just <laughs> injured and injured very often. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see what Sterling Shepard looks like and what his role is because I hope that they don't just pigeonhole him to the slot and I hope they don't just pigeonhole him to, to the outside. I hope that you know with a revolving depth chart, I honestly do think this depth chart is kind of circulating right now with Kenny Galladay. Where is he? Like, How do the Giants coaches see him right now? Because apparently it's not even clear that he's like wide receiver number one or even number two on this team. So, you know, Sterling Shepard, if he can take control of, you know, getting some reps on the outside while also alleviating Wandell Robinson in the slot. I mean, that's ideal for me where because I think if there's one guy on the team that can handle multiple responsibilities and lining up here, there and everywhere, it is Sterling Shepard. Yeah, he's a trustworthy player and reliable. I hate using the word reliable for a guy who's been he's unreliable all to the stay time. on the field. But again, you don't have a 78% catch rate with your quarterback over two years on accident. you know. And, and across putting, two different schemes, by the way, across Pat Shermer and well, Jason Garrett. Two so. seasons. But two different schemes. That's what I'm saying. Pat Shermer, that Daniel, Pat Shermer and Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard, they had that reliability together. And then even with Jason Garrett, which you've talked about this time and time again – Sterling Shepard was the only player that was not negatively affected by Jason Garrett. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was, uh, I, you know, I, I said it like Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard's uh, connection hided a lot of blemishes on of Jason Garrett's offense at times, even though the offense almost always looked bad. But like they hide, like you know, after that Washington game, I was saying like, and and the Denver game was like Sterling Shepard is hiding the blemishes of this offense right now because these are tight window throws on these you know 10 yard outs like but Shepard is just running them with great time and good route running using sell you know using the correct leverage so he's just a smart wide receiver who you can trust and that's going to be big in this offense because you know we've watched film of game film of a couple of weeks of this stuff and there's a lot of detail oriented stuff in the in this offense you know like the, the Colin Johnson 23 yard catch the other day that pass that was you know he bobbled it could have been intercepted possibly like if he cut if he flattens that route out uh three yards shorter that's an you know that's uh an easier completion for it you know and you know Daniel Bellinger on his route like do they you know want to turn that into a shallow or is it a five yard in so there's just so much detail and stuff in this offense so it's good to get Sterling Shepard back um obviously the Giants money wise uh they saved more than they would have if they would have had just cut him because they turned whatever dead cap he had that four and a half mil and turned it into a void year next year so um, it's good to have him back while also saving an extra four and a half mil compared to just outright cutting him. Yeah, glad to have Shep back. Uh, listen uh, about him more in our PPP. He's how yeah. we he's uh, we always lead off with Sterling Shepard for our PPPs. So if you want to hear more about him, what we think, listen to that. Other news: Aziz Ojolari. This one had me worried. I didn't. I wasn't listening to what anybody was saying. I was worried. Was uh, running sprints and obviously he had the hamstring injury at the start camp. And hits the deck, holding his leg, two trainers helping him off the field at the end of the day. And I'm like, man, this sucks. 
Now, Ian Rappaport reported they did an MRI. MRI, it's nothing serious. But I don't know what that means. Nothing serious at the moment. Like that could still be an ankle sprain. You know, this still could be a three to four week injury if that's like a high ankle sprain or something. Um, but obviously, glad it's just not a. You know, you see a guy go down sprinting, non-contact, you get really worried. So at least it's not that. But also, you know, if this is a if this is a high ankle sprain, we could be going into week one without Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, the report on that was it's not serious with, with him, but odds are, like, I, I'm leaning towards they're probably going to hold him out week one. So that's still big. You know, <laughs> missing a missing a week one game is still pretty big, especially, you know, when we're getting so excited about this Tennessee Titans game and possibly even winning that game. So it's a uh, I'm glad it's not major. Glad it's not major. That's that's the main thing stemming from it today. Well, that's where we are with our Giants fandom, that a guy could be out a month and we're having a sigh of relief because everybody else is everyone else is dying Colin Johnson tore his Achilles in practice on the grass field you know I'm not as heartbroken about this one as other people but it still does suck this guy was going to make the roster was having a very solid preseason you know with size was doing some good stuff route running wise and and then catching what was thrown his way um again you you see a guy tears Achilles you feel for him no matter who he is yeah uh, I'm upset by it because I want to see the players that this coaching staff wants to put out on the field. That's what I want to see. And at the end of the day, if they don't believe in Darius Slayton for whatever reason, even if I disagree it, even if I disagree with it, like Colin Johnson, I would have liked to see him out there doing what he was going to do because the coaching staff clearly wanted to see him out there. So the whole thing with the injuries though, Bobby, the football grump made a really, really good point on his show. You know, the just giant show. We have the football grump on quite often, but he made a really, really good point. And I'm paraphrasing here. If you're simply just blaming the turf at MetLife, because every time that somebody gets hurt, that's gotten hurt on the giants recently, it's been the turf at MetLife, the turf at MetLife, the turf at MetLife. If that's the only thing that we're talking about as fans for a possible reason that the giants are suffering from all these injuries when they've had if not just as many injuries on this grass practice field, I feel like that's taking away from the nuance of a possible answer of what's happening with the Giants and these injuries, if we just keep on talking about the turf. So this clearly is a very, very complicated issue that I have no idea what the answer is. I don't think anybody has an idea of what the answer is. If they had any idea of what the answer was, then I think they would find it out. But stop solely blaming the turf at MetLife, because clearly... There is some bigger thing over the past decade that has just plagued this Giants team with injuries. Since 2009, the Giants have missed more games um, due to injury than any team in the NFL. More, it's it's again. Um, now, I do think you'd rather play on grass than turf. Yeah, obviously. the turf could be part of it. Like, I'm not ignoring that, and I and I, and I do think the turf could be part of it because I mean, I don't think it's coincidence. Marcus McKeith that steps foot on the you know MetLife for the first time in his career, and lo and behold, that's a torn ACL right there. I think it's part of it, but uh, I don't think it's simply the only thing that the Giants should be looking into. We don't have the answers for it, but what I'm hoping for is that the Giants are pulling their hair out as just as much as we are and trying to figure out why and not just being like, this is bad luck. And hey, maybe it is just bad luck. Maybe, you know, there's one team that has to have the most injuries in the NFL the last 13 years, but I hope they're really, really trying to figure out and fix 
what's been an issue. Like it's flat out been an issue for the Giants um, through different coaching staffs, different. Yeah. So there's sports science people that Brian Dable has alluded to. That's ultimately part of this process of how do we, you know, how, how do they run these practices? How do they make sure that they're getting the best out of their players, that they're getting ready for the season while not pushing them too much? Joe Shane, during his introductory press conference, you know, talked about, you know, how he wants to fix the injuries and improve the injuries and stuff like that. So I, for me as a fan, I just want a more clear explanation as to what the Giants are doing inside the building to fix an issue that they acknowledged was an issue and they've talked about it being an issue. So next time Joe Shane gets in front of a microphone, um, that's something that I'm hoping a beat reporter is asking him. What are you doing to address this and what have you done since you've said that you said you wanted to fix this? Yeah, definitely. While we're on the Colin Johnson subject, when we were at practice, Julian said something to us um, and I'm starting to question if he was right. He said, sometimes you guys joke so much about David Sills and Sills' army that you might not take him serious. Are we going to start having to take some David Sills a little more serious? I mean, you had the preseason game. I don't want to get too overhyped by that. Uh, wide receivers will always outperform DBs in preseason. One, I think they're just more talented uh, as depth, and defenses aren't game planning. But it's in, been in practice, too, with the first team. Like, Daniel Jones' great day versus the Jets' first team included six catches from David Sills. And, you, I mean, there is a connection there. Do we think David Sills – like, okay, Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay misses a game. Do you think David Sills is getting 50% of the snaps that next game? No. 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 I, I, I'm just saying because – Brian Dable said that like these guys are earning, you know, specifically him and Colin Johnson are earning playing time, not just roster spots. Obviously, he's followed Daniel Jones around uh, the 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 nations for the last three years. Um, and did Brian you- Dable bet on the Giants when they were playing Washington last year? And he's like the rest of Giants Twitter that simply hates Darius Slayton because he dropped a touchdown against Washington last year. I'm not talking about Darius Slayton. I'm no, talking about David is, Sills. It and ultimately his own. is. It is a Darius Slayton conversation. Uh, but what I am saying is not about death chart. Is that is David Sills earning some playing time? No, no. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong to dismiss it. Because we've seen it. We've seen David Sills in the NFL and the NFL before. And I would take Darius Slayton over him 10 times out of 10. But I'm, I'm just specifically saying, like, do we take David Sills a little more serious? Or do we just go like, this is camp. You can't over. When David camp. Sills runs a really nice nuanced route and gets open and gets separation in a preseason game, then I'll then I'll I'll start to think about it. But I mean, the, the catches that he made, or at least the one significant catch that I'm thinking of, the 20 plus yarder. Back shoulder contested catch. And I mean, that's who David Sills can be. And I think that's who he is at this point. He is a poor man's Kenny Galladay. And I and I think he is a poor, poor man's Kenny Galladay. Yeah, but I mean, there were some good subtlety in his route running and stuff with the RPO. So I don't want to totally dismiss him. But I just don't know if he's a... I don't know. I, anyways, I just wanted to bring David Sills up. Because I think there's, he's going to be on the 53 come uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, all right, other news uh, quickly. And then we'll get into the interviews. Giants claimed wide receiver Jalen Moore from the Ravens and Bailey Gaither, but then Bailey Gaither was waived, uh, and then they claimed cornerback Harrison Hand from the Vikings, who got some playing time for them, had an interception on Drew Brees, so maybe he can be some depth there. Um, they placed Colin Johnson, Marcus Kep, Andre Miller, and Ricky Seals-Jones on IR. I would keep your eye out on Andre Miller, though, because they can do injury settlements, which is essentially cutting them, 
and then re-sign those guys. So I think Andre Miller might be a guy that does that. They just flat out cut Jordan Akins, which makes sense. He has just not been a factor at all. And he's been bad when he's getting given opportunities in practice. Nick Gates and Matt Parrott, you won't see them for the first four weeks of the season. They went to the Pups last reserve. Don't think you're going to see Nick Gates at all this season, but Parrott, you know, maybe after week five. So Should they just put Nick Gates on IR? Like, the fact that he's not on IR, does that mean that they maybe think that he can come back this year? I I don't know. You don't know? I'm not ready for that conversation right now. Um, Matt Parrott being on it means either Devery Hamilton or someone who's not on the roster will be the Giants swing tackle. Um, and then the most significant move they made, they signed Tanner Hudson, the tight end from the uh, 49ers, was previously with the Bucks, 27 years old, six foot five, 240 pounds. He was a preseason darling for the Bucks uh, fans for a long time, but a couple reasons why he ne- had never produced. You know, he had five catches for 67 yards in his career with the Bucks. Uh, he was on a team with Cam Brate, OJ Howard, and Rob Gronkowski. That's that's one part of it, but also he he can't block. He's not a good blocker, and Bruce Arians was very vocal about his blocking issues. Um, but he is a pretty—he's pretty athletic, and he's got good hands and and some decent route running. But again, just struggles as a blocker. Surprised the 49ers, even though the 49ers have a, a tight end room of you know George Kittle and Ross Dwelly, cut him so quick because he had seventy seven catches for seventy yards and a touchdown in their first two preseason games. Um, but I like. I don't say this at all, like as a joke. I, he's right now. He's probably their tight end too. After after Daniel Bellinger. In fact, Arch Stapleton quote tweeted my video of him and saying like, he's had the biggest touchdown of New York Giants camp so far, and he was there for one day. Had like a seventy five yard touchdown versus the Jets. So he oh, can move really? a little bit. Good hands. Um, you know, I was with the second team in Tyrock Taylor too. So it wasn't like he was out there with Davis Webb. Um, so we still are. Uh, uh, we have 53-man cut-down days and then guys who are going to be uh, claimed after that. So he's not a lock on the roster. But if the roster was just set it right now, make your 53-man roster and you can't claim anybody, he's the lock for the roster and probably tight end too. Yeah, Brian Dable said earlier today, um, he was asked about the team's tight end depth. There's not a lot of it, uh, <laughs> which usually... Uh, you know, usually coaches aren't that upfront about stuff. You know, they'll say, oh, I believe in the guys in the room, blah, blah, blah. And he flat out said there's not a lot of it when when mentioned the tight end room and the tight end depth. So make the team, bud, and let's see it. Yeah, so, I mean, right now their tight end room is Daniel Bellinger. He's a lock. And then now you have Tanner Hudson, Chris Myrick, and Austin Allen. Great name, would, by the way. Tanner Hudson? I, yeah. I, you know, I, that's like that's a tight end name right now. It right is a there. tight end name there. He's wearing number eighty-eight too. I was I was hoping that because uh, Aikens got cut, I was hoping that Bellinger would go to eighty-eight, but yeah. Hudson keeps his eighty-eight. I I kind of I actually don't hate forties for a tight end so much, but I like eighties in the Giants uniform. Well, also it's it's difficult because Daniel Bellinger and Austin Allen, who are two white dudes who are tall are wearing 45 and 46 so it's very difficult to tell them yes. apart <laughs> um but I, I just like i think giants tight ends belong with a number between 80 and I agree. 89 i agree um, yes don't so you don't want to be you don't want to be associated with will tie oh yeah I mean, will tie was 45 mm-hmm. um danny king loves will tie stony brook legend he says yeah um danny king's also weird and dumb rude <laughs> All right, we're going to get into this interview with Patricia Traina, then Zach Rosenblatt. But before that, 
Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the apps on our phones. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. Speaking of which, maybe buy tickets for Giants, Cowboys, Monday Night Football. We were getting pumped with the Patreon chat before that, like, Tyra... I don't want to say pump, but just saying like Tyra, how big of a loss Tyron Smith is to the Dallas Cowboys offense. I think he's the second most important player for that offense after Dak Prescott. Um, you know, I, I think he he really does affect D- Dak Prescott's play a lot. So we're going to win that Monday night football game. We're going to split with the Panthers uh, and, and the Titans and we're going to go two and one and Ooh. the Cowboys are going to be broken down. The Eagles can't beat good teams and we're going to win this damn division. Wow. SeatGeek rates every t- So make sure you get them now because the ticket prices will go up for the Giants once we get good. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry. We've got the hookup. Use code Giants for $20 off at uh, $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And here is Patricia Trainer. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Alright, we now welcome onto the program our good friend of Sports Illustrated, Giants Country, Patricia Trainer. Patty, first, we know you've been battling with COVID. How how are you feeling? We asked you this before, but we're, we got to let the listeners know too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm on the NEN. I tested negative yesterday uh, for the first time in a week, but as you could probably hear, it's still in my voice. So uh, I've got to go another, I've got to produce another negative test. And then I think I've got to go, with, today was day number one. So I've got to go four more days before I can actually go back to work. But um, I'm on the men. I feel better. So thank you for asking. And thanks to everybody who sent, um, you know, well wishes to me. COVID is not fun. Was it the first time you got it? I don't want to do a yeah. whole COVID discussion. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, it actually was. My husband got it. Um, he came. To, it, it's weird. I wasn't feeling well a couple weekends ago. And then I started to feel better. And then my husband wasn't feeling well. So he thought it was just one of those post nasal drips type of deals and Sure enough, uh, I, I had the I, I said, you know what? Let's play it safe. You sleep in a, in, a, in a different room just in case. And good thing I did because he did test positive. And then, of course, two days later, I tested positive. So, you know, so much for my trying to be proactive and, and trying to prevent it. But Well, you're a woman of the people. You had to come on Talking Giants and, and give the people what they wanted. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some other people who are either on the mend or or, or not so much. The injury issues, it seems like every year, you know, when injuries happen in training camp, every fan base freaks out. But now there's, you know, I saw some data that the Giants are the, have lost the most games to injury the past 12 years. This training camp has been brutal. It's different than what other teams are dealing with. Are the Giants pulling their hair out like fans are trying to figure out what the issue is? Because it's not as simple as just turf. Like turf, I'm sure it contributes, but a lot of the stuff's happened on the practice field. Yeah, and the practice field is grass, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, football is just a violent game. And, and you know, I, I get this question a lot from a couple of my, my listeners and followers on Twitter. Um, it's a violent game. Bobby, you played it. You know, you I'm sure there were days where you, you played it and the next day you felt like an a, a 80-year-old man, you know. Um, it's unfortunate, but um, 
you do the best you can. You try to put the right equipment on. You try to stretch properly. You try to um, keep your nutrition and your rest and your recovery up. But stuff happens. And, and when you least expect it, I mean, did anybody think Colin Johnson would would, would tear an AC, uh, his Achilles? No. I mean, you know, did anybody anticipate Kayvon Thibodeau would get cut block the way he did and, and, and suffer an MCL? So there's just things that sometimes are beyond your control and it sucks and I get it. But, um, you know, the trick is to try to figure out how to keep guys as, as healthy as possible. And, you know, here's the other thing, you know, you look around the league and I don't want to minimize injury for any one specific guy because everybody's important. But I think sometimes the picture becomes a little bit bigger, the bigger the names are. So, for example, you've got a Thibodeau, um, you know, Aziz Ojolari today on, on Thursday was injured. So the bigger the name, I think that tends to generate the more panic amongst the fan base. And I think part of at least it's frustration. I mean, I'm a fan of the Giants. So, you know, it's as a fan of the Giants, it's tough to keep that perspective that you just said. But, you know, you go back and I think it was Joe Shane's introductory press conference where he went on for a couple minutes talking about how he wants to try and find a solution. Now, finding a solution on injuries is very difficult because it's not something you can control. But trying and finding a solution and seeing how there wasn't that much movement amongst the training staff, at least I don't think this offseason. And now we're having the summer that we're having. That's where I think the the frustration point comes in, at least from a fan that I like to think that I pay attention to the team a lot. So um, that's where that's where my brain's at. So, well, remember, remember, Justin, the training staff treats the injuries. A lot of people mix this up. They say, oh, it's the training staff's fault. No, it's it's actually if you're going to point fingers at anybody, look at the strength and conditioning staff, because they're the ones who are supposed to get you ready and in good shape to withstand all this stuff. The, the, you know, I, I know it kind of all runs together, but you know, a lot of people, they say that and I'm like, well, that's technically not correct. Yeah. What I'm interested but- to see is the, sp- the, the, Dable's talked a lot about the sports science people. Like who are these sports science people and are they new additions? So any, anyway, you know, that's, that's digging that, that we can do for, for another time. But it seems like this past week that the offense has been finding a little bit better of a groove. What is your take on a lot of the offensive coaches? Dable's talked about this. Kafka's talked about this. I think some of the positional coaches might've talked about this too. What's your take on some of these offensive coaches talking about how they intentionally want to set up their offense in practice in like bad scenarios? Cause we've heard throughout the first, you know, month of month or so of camp that the offense has not been doing well. And coaches are talking about how that's kind of by design. So what's your take on that? I think it's a good take to be honest with you, because look, how many times does a football play go according to how it's drawn up? There's always going to be some kind of breakdown. There's always going to be something that pops up that you're not expecting. So isn't it better to prepare for it now than to sit there and, and try and create a pristine scenario in practice. And then, Oh gosh, we get to the, to the game it's like, oh, what do we do? That's not supposed to happen. We didn't practice that. So I have no problem with how they're approaching it. If anything, I think it's it's also taking some of the onus off of the players because some of these players, I think, in the past felt like they couldn't make a mistake, that if they made a mistake, that they would have a coach in their face like that, you know? And when you have somebody who's who's just waiting to pounce on you the second you screw up, guess what? You're going to play tighter. So when you have um, a coaching staff that is a little bit more forgiving, now that's not to say that 
they accept mistakes, you know, but they understand that they're going to happen in practice. And they say, look, practice is the place to make the mistakes because let's get it out of the system now so that we don't do it in the game. And let's be a little bit more forgiving if these guys screw up in practice as opposed to maybe they mess up in the game. Yeah, that uh, that was actually one of my questions was what is the biggest difference uh, that you see in the offense compared to the last staff? So you kind of answered my question in there. What I will ask is about a guy on the offense who uh, didn't practice didn't practice the until today for the, like the last week or so. Now we're three, four days away from the final cutdowns to the 53-man roster projections, which means if a guy's going to get traded, it's going to be traded in these next few days. What do you think is going to happen with Darius Slayton? Wow. You know, the injury to Colin Johnson, I thought maybe we'd give him a reprieve. But, you know, I think Kenny Galladay is going to make this team, even though I'm not so convinced that he's a good fit for what Dable wants to do. You got Sterling Shepard, who's going to make it. Wandale Robinson's going to make it. Um, Kadarius Tony is going to make it. I think David Sills now gets a, a, another life because Sills, I think, would have been the next guy after Colin Johnson. If you know Slayton, he doesn't play special teams, and he's going to make two point five million. I, from a cap perspective, cannot justify that. And, you know, will the Giants try to trade him? I wouldn't be surprised if they do try to trade him. You know, at this point, it's a matter of what are they willing to take for him if they get any offers. Now, will there be teams that will just say, well, you know, we know you're going to cut him anyway, so we'll just sit back and wait. That's fine. But, you know, a team that needs a receiver, you know, you look at the Bears need a receiver. I think Dallas could use some help and at receiver. Not that I think the Giants would trade with them. Um, if you can get something for him, even if it's like a six-round pick, do it. Why wouldn't you? If they're willing to, if if they can get a trade, I I am okay with it. I'm not excited about it because it's just it would be a shame to arguably the best day three pick of Dave Gettleman's four-year tenure to just essentially just throw him away because you know a six-round pick. I I'm someone who falls in love with every single draft pick they get and excited about when they make a pick swap for Ryan Santoso. But it's just like, man, for a guy who's had his production, even though as disappointing as last year, it just would, it would feel like a shame that that guy couldn't even finish out his rookie contract. But if they cut him, it just would be – I just feel like there's other ways to make cap – you know, like they're going to need to make cap space with Absolutely. probably Leonard Williams regardless. So it's mm-hmm. just – and you mentioned like uh, – Patty, here's my thing is you mentioned there's, there's four guys who are locks on the roster and ahead of him on the depth chart. But what we've seen in camp and in history is – the fifth wide receiver is going to get some playing time this year, some serious playing yeah. time. But um, maybe we need to start taking David Sills a little more serious than than we have on this show because it's it's been a it's been it's just been a weird offseason with the wide receiver room. Well, it's interesting because remember when Daniel Jones was a rookie, who was his favorite target? It was it was Slayton because they both came up together. Well, who's been Daniel Jones's favorite target of late? It's been. David Stills, who has just his favorite human being in the world, they follow yeah. each other around like a puppy. A puppy yeah, a kid so and a puppy. I mean, <laughs> there's something to be said for that kind of chemistry, and that's not a knock against you know Slayton. Don't get me wrong here, but you know sometimes things change, relationships change, and circumstances change. So, um, the, and the coaches see it, you know. And and look, Darius Slayton, I think, could be a really good player. I think part of the problem with him has been injuries and how they have affected his. His confidence, I think another part of it 
um, I was talking with somebody and they said, yeah, you know, I never saw Darius Slayton work with the jugs machine until I think it was, I want to say last year, maybe the year before that. It, he didn't do it initially when he, when he came out and he, he only then started to take and say, oh, wow, I better work with the jugs machine to keep, keep my skills sharp. So I don't know, maybe that, that has something to do with it. It's hard to say, but um, Darius Slayton, if he doesn't stick with this team, he'll find a spot. I, I'm confident of that. Yeah, I, I really think that there's other NFL teams. You know, we we watch the Giants, we follow the Giants, like I said, we're fans of the Giants. But I do think there is other NFL teams that you do look up and down. They're having similar wide receiver depth problems that the Giants are having. So that's why I really think and I hope that Darius Slayton does stick around. Because I look at myself in the mirror... I really do think Darius Slayton is better than David Sills. Like <laughs> that 2019 means something, and there may be a reason why David Sills hasn't been able to crack an NFL roster yet. I want to talk about somebody else who's been buried on a depth chart, but maybe undeservedly so, and that's Quincy Roche. His mm -hmm. 2021 better production than what Jihad Ward has put up in his career. Quincy Roche's 2021 better production than what O'Shane Zimenez has put up in his entire career. So. What have you heard? What do you think? Why is Quincy Roche, it seems like, why is he buried on this Giants edge rusher depth chart? I think it's because the feeling is, is that Zimenez is a little bit more athletic. Whether you agree with that or not, that's that's the impression I get. Um, the feeling I also get is that they feel that Zimenez is a little bit better of a fit for what they want to do than Roche. And it's interesting because one of the first interviews I did um, of summer camp was with Roche. And I said to him, dude, do you feel like you're being overlooked here? And he just kind of smiled and he goes, you know, it's like sleep on me, go ahead, sleep on me and see what happens. So very confident. And, and, you know, I always thought Roche was a very physical player. I don't know that he's a, a starter, you know, like an every down player, no. but as a situational pass rusher guy, the guy brings the juice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel that um, maybe they think Zimenez's skill set is a little bit more of a fit for what they want to do, whether you agree with that or not. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what they think. But uh, yeah, that's 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 something that I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, what's going on there? I didn't think Woshay played that badly last year. No, it, he, was it, the, he was physical. I mean, he brought the heat. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I know he got into a dust up um, in OTAs, and then uh, he actually yesterday Duggan talked about how he kind of took a shove at Roy and Batika, who was obviously not your normal player, and Dable was pretty. Mad. It almost like I, I just, I, it's it's hard for me to understand. We talked about Roche on on yesterday's show, and we're like the only thing O'Shane Zimenez does is he moves better, like he's a little smoother in his movements and moves laterally, right. like you said. But it's like at what point does a profile you know not meet up to you know production and 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 you talk about system too it's like well isn't stopping the run a part of the system which O'Shane Zimenez has been very bad against and Roche was decent uh pretty and, good and against here's last the, year. and here's the other thing Bobby and, and Justin Zimenez makes penalties he creates penalties stupid stuff you know you go back to the Bengals game he had that that penalty I think it was on a what was it a 72 yard, it was a big kickoff return I forget how many yards it went for and it was like 10 yards away from the play. And it, and yes. Oh, yeah. And, the if, and, if you again, yeah. and if you remember what got him sent to the bench last year, he made it. He, he had a, oh, a we remember. stupid <laughs> penalty in a game and he was banned to the bench. And 
you know, in practice, you you've seen him do the same thing where he's, you know, jumped offside or he's, he's committed some kind of stupid penalty or something that he shouldn't be doing at this point. And you sit there and you say, dude, what are you doing? And I like Simenez. Simenez is a good kid, um, works hard, but I, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm scratching my head over this one, just like you guys are. We'll finish it off with this. We finish all of our interview series or our training camp interview series with what is your record prediction for the 2022 New York Giants? Wow. I think if everybody had been healthy, I'd have one record, but not everybody's going to be healthy. Um, I think optimistically speaking, I could see them winning eight games. I think the schedule is such that they can pull off eight. Now, does that mean they're going to lose a game that they should win? Yes. Does it mean they're probably going to steal a game that they should, you know, have no right to steal? Absolutely. Um, I don't think they're going to go to the playoffs this year. I've I've been consistent in my prediction with that because they still have a lot of holes. And now you throw in the injury issue and there were some concerns. But um, I do think doubling the win total from last year, which was four wins, is not totally out of the question. So eight, so eight and nine is the final answer. Yeah, I'm going to go with eight and nine. Okay, I'm probably so going to be got, wrong, I, but but uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Let's well, do it. We're, we actually have a second interview on this show, so I won't spoil his. But we've we've gotten between five and nine. I think we've done like twelve or thirteen times we've asked this. Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, everyone's kind of, but for the majority, it's between six and eight. So Patricia, we thank you for coming on. We're going to put your uh, your YouTube channel. Um, in our in our uh, description and everything, but where could people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina T R A I N A. Find my written stuff over at Giants Country, along with everybody else who's contributing over there, and then of course the YouTube channel Locked On Giants YouTube channel. We're also the Locked On Giants podcast. Monday through Friday, I've been toughing it out, doing the best I can with this this you know shaky voice of mine, and uh, just continuing to to do what I can. Well, we appreciate you uh, playing hurt. You're like, you know, like the New York Giants right now. (laughs) Uh, um, So we we thank you and I hope you uh, feel better next tomorrow and then the day after that. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you to Patricia Trania for coming on the show. We got to talk about Manscaped. Fells, you're getting ready for your fantasy football Season, draft season, it's right around the corner. CD Lamb is good, but have you CD's beautiful balls? Ball joke, it's time to get your snake looking right for this snake drift with the sponsors of our today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. They've created a championship lineup with their performance package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide. That is a lot of men who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code Giants, we all know about the Lawnmower 4.0. It has a 4,000K LED spotlight, which I enjoy. It allows you to be as accurate as Bill Belichick with the challenge flag. Is that actually true? Is Bill Belichick really accurate with the challenge flag? Do you I'm know about, that? We got we to fact check these Manscaped ads. We do. We do. Because that's, that's, that's a strong claim. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, the ultimate flex. Watch it run through ear 
and nose hairs like Derrick Henry coming up the gut. I currently, I have nose hairs that grow out of control. I got to get my weed whacker out and take care of business. So what I want you to do is get 20% off plus free shipping with code giants at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code giants at manscaped.com. It's time to put the PP back at PPR and get a grip on your pigskin this season with Manscaped. And here's Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your <laughs> Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, we now welcome on our, our second person of our training camp interview series from The Athletic. Covers the New York Jets, Zach Rosenblatt. Zach, well, first, first question, why'd you leave us? I was really bitter about losing the Tony Award to Duggan, so I decided I wanted to go and work from him so I can get close to him and then try and steal the trophy. It was a shock. We still don't have our NJ.com writer to replace you yet. So it's been, it's been a little bit of a culture shock. We got nobody represent, you know, Steve, Steve Pilate is there. Um, but we, it was, my first reaction was not happy for you. It's like, why did you do this to us? <laughs> it was weird because especially it happening, like, like it happened quickly. It was right before training camp where the job opportunity came about. And so starting on a new team when I've spent the last two and a half years, just like giants all day, every day and having to like switch gears, go to a new facility every day. Like it, it was definitely very weird. And I, I had a great time covering the giants, even, even though there are a lot of fans who think I hated the team, which I don't, I didn't, <laughs> um, I enjoyed covering it quite a bit. So it was definitely weird. I miss you guys. I miss everything, but, um, maybe I can get the Tony award for this great podcast we're about to do. Yeah. Like the Elijah Moore award or something. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> How's the uh, transition been though? Like just going from Giants beat to Jets beat. Um, even if you want to talk about like coaching staffs, but just kind of personally for you, how's the transition been, and how's this camp been for you? Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's definitely like a different atmosphere over there. You know, I I think there are two organizations that are in different stages of like the rebuilds. Obviously, I, I think the Giants have a pretty good idea that they're not going to be. You know, if maybe not competitive isn't the right word, but they're not going to like win a lot of games most likely. And I think the jets, they need to take a step forward or, you know, then you start having questions about hot seat and stuff like that. But yeah, the, like the fan base jets fans are, are, are a wild bunch. They're, they've been so desperate for a winning team that they get angry really easily, like even more than giants fans or Eagles fans, honestly, I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs in like 11 years. Um, and then in terms of like the coaches, like I didn't get that much time with Dable. I will say he, he called to congratulate me on the new job, which is, which was nice. I'll give him a shout out for that. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a lot less forthcoming with like information and stuff like that, but also with Robert Sala, I think sometimes he get he's like too optimistic to the point where like, he's like, Oh, he's, he's going to be, we think he's going to be okay. And then a guy's out for three weeks kind of thing. So that, so like you're going from someone who doesn't say anything, Joe judge didn't really say anything about injuries either to like Sala who says stuff, but you have to like balance, like if what he says is like what actually is going to play out. So we want to ask you some questions about what the Giants have looked like today in, in the joint practice. Uh, you know, I think it's good to get that, pra- you know, this is the first time the Giants has went against first stringers um, yep. from from another team all because uh, they haven't got to do that in the preseason yet. My first question, though, is I'm really fascinated to hear about this is Wink Martindale. We were at all the Giants training camp practices and Wink Martindale, man, gave some issues for the Giants offense like it was just chaotic and then you see them in the preseason games and they looked a lot better granted versus backups but looked like a lot better how different did the Jets offense look versus that Wink Martindale defense compared to like their normal practices or preseason games yeah I, I think they struggled with it more than they do against their own defensive scheme in most on most days um you know I they, they pointed this out and I 
I, there was a lot of exotic looks. Exotic was like the word of the day after after practice. Um, you, I, I think for most of team drills, there wasn't even anybody with their hand on the ground uh, on the Giants. And so they were just like, you know, running guys in on blitzes. There were guys like nobody like down as a defensive lineman, it seemed like, for like a few plays in a row at the very least. Um, that, I don't think they really – I don't know if they ever got to Joe Flacco. Like I don't know if I would have counted anything as a sack, but they definitely, they definitely felt the pressure. They were trying to get the ball out real quick. Their offense wasn't really that efficient. I think I had Joe Flacco was like seven of fifteen. He had an interception, a couple touchdowns. Uh, there's a couple deep balls that he missed. I, I think a lot of it had to do more with like the pressure and the upfront stuff than more than like the the secondary playing particularly well. I would say, uh, but yeah, the, the the defense they're definitely going to give some teams some trouble, especially a guy like Flacco in a game setting is probably going to have a hard time with a defense like that because they're because he can't really escape from it. So I am I am. I'm interested to see if that can help, like overcome some of the flaws they have on that defense, because uh, it, it's it's an ex- it's going to be fun to watch. I think it, you're going to have some games where the Giants give up a lot of points, but you're also going to have some games where they sack the guy a lot. So it's going to be a lot of hype games, I would say. Yeah, I think that's kind of the vibe that we got out of the defense so far. Obviously, preseason they're not showing a ton. Is that versus mediocre or bad QBs? It might they might be able to cause havoc, but versus good QBs will be issues because of the issues on the secondary. I mean, Aaron Robinson as cornerback too, and Darnay Holmes playing nickel on a man coverage scheme can can cause issues. Uh, it's going to cause issues for, uh, for the Giants. So, but I will say it. it uh, I was hoping not because like you know oh, screw the Jets, but I was hoping like okay, I want to see. That if like this is really hard to face in practice when you're not uh, actually game planning for a defense, uh, and some of the tweets and, and what you said made it seem like that a little bit today. Yeah, and I think that that's an important point too. Like the the, the Jets m- said they weren't they're not game planning for the Giants. They're just practicing their own stuff. So they they weren't game planning for the blitzes and stuff like that. So maybe it would have looked differently if like you know I mean it'll, maybe it'll look different on Sunday kind of thing. But yeah, they. Um, it's it's definitely gonna be interesting to see. Like at the beginning of the season, I could see it being maybe even more effective than as the season goes on and teams like kind of know what they do. So that, that that'll be fun to watch at the very least. It felt like every member of the media was trying to manifest a fight by recalling, <laughs> you know, the what was it, oh five? Well, you know that they that they fought. So this was the first time that Salah and Dable practice, and hopefully they stay around for a couple years because it seems like that they want to do this for the next couple years. So. Tell us about the just the vibe of practice today. Was it intense? Did it have any kind of intensity with it, with any kind of fights or anything like that? So how was the flow of it all? Honestly, it was like pretty ho-hum is how I describe it. Like it was, you know, a lot of these joint practices, the tensions usually do flare. I've covered a bunch of them in the in the last couple of years. The Giants had a couple of trips last year. I went on. It was definitely, I mean, there was the Sterling Shepard fight last year in Cleveland, which was one of the more insane things I've witnessed because he, got into a fight and then came up and talked to us like nothing happened and none of us knew that it happened. It was, it was wild. They're like, there was nothing like that. Like the only thing ha- that happened, I-, I wasn't even there for it, but was uh during when Jonathan, John Franklin Myers uh knocked down Daniel Jones during an 11 and 11 drill. I don't think Evan Neal was very happy about it. And then Evan Neal and John Franklin Myers like shoved each other a little bit in one-on-ones at the end of a rep. Other than that, like I really didn't even see guys shoving each other. I didn't really see guys t- getting in each other's face. It, it was it was a pretty light practice. They they ended it a little early and did conditioning. They were supposed to do two minute drills at the end, but I think they said the Giants are a little too banged up and they just felt like it would be better. And then ironically, Aziz Ojalari got hurt during the sprints. Yeah, lo, lo and behold. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was a very like low key. Like there wasn't a lot of crazy things or exciting things that happened. I, this is probably what they wanted. They wanted a light practice at the end of training camp. Um, and I, based on the way things happened today, I, I I imagine both of them are happy with how it looks so i wouldn't be surprised if they start doing this every year 
Yeah, so there will definitely be a fight next year because this was like emphasis: don't get into <laughs> yeah. a fight, and then next year they'll they'll loosen up and and there will be. A lot that. of times, the, a lot of times the fights come on like a second day of a joint practice, is what uh, Salai likes to say. So if, if they do two days, then maybe that's when things start to get nippy. Yeah, hopefully they just let us in for it next year because that's. I mean, I want to see know. a joint practice. Um, was there any surprises from just you know Giants as a whole or, or singular players that you wouldn't have expected? When you were, you know, going into camp, you know, expecting to cover the team? Uh, like just in general in training camp, you're saying? Well, I'm just saying like, you know, if, if you were you were going into at one point to cover a Giants training camp, is there any anything today uh, scheme-wise, coaching-wise, player-wise that uh, uh, was different than what you would have expected? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if there's anything that I wouldn't have expected necessarily, but it was interesting just seeing the defense in action because I only got to see the Giants in the spring and they weren't really doing as much then. Um, I didn't really watch the offense that much today, so I, I can't really comment on like how Dable's offense looks. But I don't. Know, just, I, I am very interested to see how that defense looks. I, I think there are some depth and talent issues in some spots there, like you mentioned. Uh, and so I, I'm curious to see if Wink's defense can like overcome them and and things like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. That that's kind of, not nothing really surprised me. Like Aaron Robinson was getting. He, Garrett Wilson didn't really have much trouble with him based on how you guys have been tweeting and how like the Giants beat guys have been tweeting. I imagine that's kind of been a recurring thing uh, this offseason. Um, Aziz Ozilari looked really good to me before he went down. Uh, he was dominating his one-on-one reps that I saw. Uh, I, I did keep an eye on the one-on-one reps. They, the, it was like an even split between uh, Giants and Jets winning it. I th- DJ Davidson had a couple of good reps against one of their backup offensive linemen. He like knocked the dude to the ground. Dexter Lawrence had a, like knocked over Connor McGovern. Uh, he bowled him over, and that's their starting center, so that's pretty good. Um, let's see, only ones that, got, that can jump out to me. Uh, Ryder Anderson got beat pretty good by Nate Herbig on the Jets. So yeah, it was like an even like back to back. And and again, those are the kind of drills where guys would start fighting normally, and even that they were like you know just walking off and going back in line. Interesting that you don't bring up that Daniel Jones only had one incompletion on the day. What are you, what are you trying wow. to bury the though. I know. It's it's literally, I mean, the, uh, the preseason game, it was off of a drop pass. I don't know if you saw that, you know, all the pain we've went through with Evan Ingram, and then we get a tight end <laughs> who's never, didn't have a drop his last year of college, and then pops up a, a pass oh, for I an interception. I didn't, realize like, Bellinger, I didn't realize Bellinger was the one that dropped it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You must have read Connor Hughes' tweet. He didn't put any context. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. He... Speaking, of, speaking of the Evan Engram thing, I just, I'll, just, I'll just, share, just share this because I thought it was funny. So, at Jets practice yesterday. So, the Jets have a running back in Michael Carter and a cornerback in Michael Carter. And the cornerback broke up a pass intended for Michael Carter. So, I said, I tweeted, Michael Carter broke up a pass intended for Michael Carter. And there's a bunch of people tweeting stuff like, Evan Engram used to do that all the time. Uh when he was at the Giants. <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. I didn't know that. Those are some good responses. I got it. Yeah. Got so, there's there other teams fans that were saying similar things, but the Engram one obviously stuck out for me since I experienced that. For- you wonder if the Jets did just draft both Michael Carters on purpose. And it's funny. They both went to Duke and UNC, uh, you know, just, just to like confuse. Like what? What do Jets fans like? How do they distinguish it? Is it like Duke Michael Car- Duke Carter or, and UNC well, Carter or the, what? So the, the running back is Michael Carter the fourth, and the corner is Michael Carter the second. Oh so my God! That's, this is that's, <laughs> the, that's the one. It get it gets even worse than that. So they have those two, then they have Quincy and Quinn and Williams, and then they have Brees Hall, Bryce Hall, and Bryce Huff. 
Yeah, they, that's it's what like would Joe get Douglas me. Was, Joe Douglas was just messing with all of us or something because it's inevitable that I'm going to tweet the wrong one for all these things. <laughs> well, the most annoying thing would be is like, you know, names aren't in autocorrect, but once you tweet it, like when I type out Quincy or Quill and and my autocorrect it goes to Quincy Roche, so that would be a pain in the ass having to make sure I tweeted the right Bryce or the right Michael Carter. But yeah, you mentioned that the Jets and the Giants are in different spots. Just as franchises, and I definitely would agree with that. But I think projection-wise, wins and losses, I feel like they're about the same, especially because the Jets play in the AFC. So you've covered the Jets for the summer. You've covered the Giants for like the last two years. So how do you feel like these rosters stack up against each other just from like now that you've had both, you know, pers- the perspective of kind of both sides? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the the win-loss thing, I, it's a fair point because I, I think – Ultimately, you know, if the Giants are projected to win five games and the Jets are projected to win seven, in reality, they're kind of projected at the same spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think part of that has to do with the Jets' schedule and the heart, and they have a hard division that they're in. I, I think talent-wise, the Jets, I think, are top to bottom definitely more talented. Um, I can't really point to that many spots where I think the Giants are like for sure better than them. Um, I guess you could argue running back, but I, I kind of like the combo of Michael Carter and Brees Hall. They're better at left tackle. Andrew Thomas is better than Dwayne Brown at this stage of his career. Um, trying to think. I mean, Leonard Williams and Quinnen, you could probably say, are a wash. Uh, and then Dexter Lawrence is probably better than their second best defensive tackle. Jets are good at DN. They have a really talented secondary right now. Um, and linebackers, they're probably better. So, yeah, I think top, I mean, quarterback is debatable, obviously, with Zach Wilson. And, and that's the thing. You haven't gotten to see him. And I think that, I mean, it's a simple analysis, it's, but that's really the biggest difference on what the Jets. Ultimately, what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because when I first started, first couple of weeks, I was on a couple podcasts and radio shows and stuff. And they were asking me about Zach Wilson. I'm like, I'm, I'm reserving judgment until I actually see him go against somebody else. And, and then because he started, he was looking at him practice, but like, it's really important to not like get too attached to that stuff because it's, you can't get hit and, you know, he's getting pressured nonstop. Um, and all that stuff but and then he gets hurt in the second drive of that preseason game so i haven't really had a chance to evaluate him i i think the talent is clearly there i, st- I have some of the same questions i always do with daniel jones of whether he's you know able to make the right decisions and process and you know go beyond his first read and you know succeed under pressure and stuff like that but i just really haven't had a big enough sample size to judge him second overall pick tons of talent it was really tough to watch last year when you when i watched him um, but it's like obviously he can make he's a guy who can make a huge jump and that could be the biggest difference for the Jets um, who are some guys that look like they might be either bubble guys or getting cut that you think that would make sense if the Giants might uh, want to make a claim in on them yeah Duggan actually asked me this the other day so it's on my mind um, cause, so I know they're they have rough they're rough at tight end so I think Trayvon Wesco um, Lawrence Cager Kenny Yaboa all three of those guys are probably better than any of the ones they have uh, like backing up Daniel Bellinger, I would say, uh, so that they could get their hands on one of those guys. Wesco would be the best one because he's just like a veteran and he can play kind of the H back role that I think Dable likes. So um, he can block. He can block. Uh, I, Lawrence Cager is a wide receiver. He was our. He's our. I'm. I'm friends with Lawrence Cager. Oh yeah, you're friends with him. Wow. We follow each other. Not really friends, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's looked he's looked really good in his transition. Uh, the question is whether he can block or not and, and all that, but he's athletic and. He's made some catches. Um, trying to think, what position is the Jets, the Giants need? Uh, cornerback. Uh, the Jets are going to wind up cutting a guy. They might a guy like Brandon Eccles is probably on the bubble. Uh, he he was like their starter on the outside last year, and now he's a backup. He's falling down the depth chart because they added a bunch of guys. Uh, linebacker. There's a guy named Hamza Nazir Aladin. I don't know if I'm saying the name right. 
Uh, he's a young guy. He, they drafted him a year or two ago, uh, and he'd probably be good depth because I know they just lost Beavers, right? Um, and the, so they have a bunch of defensive ends that are talented, but I don't know if their scheme fits because they're more like down defensive ends than like outside linebackers. But guys like Jabari Zuniga, Bradley Ane, uh, like the, they've had really good camps and they they have like a numbers crunch at defensive end, so I think they'll be they'll be available. Nathan Shepard, veteran defensive tackle, uh, like so. There's a bunch of guys that I think like would make a lot of sense to the Giants to claim or try and do like a player for player thing or something like that. They, the Jets don't Any have chance- offensive linemen to give them though, unfortunately. Yeah. Any chance we could get Ashton Davis so we can say yeah. we clearly won the I Leonard Davis trade? Him, yeah. I, I, he hasn't really done anything in camp. I, I think he's athletic and he's interesting as a like size wise, but he, uh, he hasn't really done anything in camp. So I, I lean towards him getting cut, but he was a third round pick pretty recently. So I'm not sure. I just want him just because he was the pick from the Leonard Williams trade. Yeah, that's right. So it'd be funny if he came back. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to be like, yeah, we definitely won the trade now. Um, <laughs> Dave Gettleman can, can come on the It's pod like, look, Dave Gettleman mastermind. We gave up the pick, but we ended up getting the pick. Um, we have two questions left, Bobby. I have one. Zach, are you willing to endorse anybody for the Tony Award now that you are technically not eligible? So let's see. So Duggan's already out of the out of the mix. Yes. Yeah. So you're like, what's uh? I'm trying to think of what of like a of a politician who lost in the primary. So you're like Bernie Sanders right now. Like, are you going to put your weight behind? Biden, or are you going to go crazy and be like, you know, Trump? You know what? I'm, I'll, as we sit here right now, I would say my vote would go towards Jordan. Wow. We're going to send this wow. to all the other people and be like, can you believe Zach? So Duggan <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't give his endorsement to anybody. So that's, that's big. That's big for the Jordan just texted right me that he loved me. <laughs> there you go. It was sar- yeah. it was sarcastic, but he did no. Text I saw, him. I saw, he, I saw him doing all the work to suck up to you guys. He, uh, he had you on his pod, like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just worried it's the wrong timing of the year. It's like you got to do that stuff right before the voting. But it, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's 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 been, he's boy. definitely been good to us. If he just throws uh, on like a, a a Tony Award shirt or a media some clowns or whatever, yeah, mm-hmm. then, then he'll then he'll seal it. Sure. Well, and Art tweeted media some clowns. Planning on too. sucking up to you guys for for the season, and and then it still I can. I mean, just. <laughs> you know, but like, hey guys, I want to write a feature piece on on a, a show. I know it's not Jets related, but what <laughs> um, we're just hey, you're helping us. We're trying to get you subscriptions to the athletic. You know, it's a. I mean, who is going to write about you guys now that I'm gone? I'm, I was giving you the most publicity of anybody. I know. Now it's like we're st- we're just like heavy.com basically. I mean, who's going to spell Justin's name wrong if not me? This is true. This is such a great point. <laughs> Solid said the starters are going to play about a quarter and a half, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to play. All right, so I'm going to ask you this. I want a prediction for the game on Sunday. I want a MetLife Bowl prediction and also a record prediction for the 2022 New York Giants. For the Giants. Okay, so really, you can so you can ingratiate us or ingratiate the Jets fan base and be like two and (laughs) fifteen. So prediction for Sunday, I'll say final score: seventeen to thirteen, Jets. Homer. (laughs) <laughs> and for Giants record, man, their schedule is super easy. I'll give them, I'll say five and twelve. Wow, okay. schedule super easy. Five wins. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You didn't. You should have just not said that part in there. That was, I know, that that was like worse. a nice slap in the face. <laughs> it's like, man, you really do suck. But yeah, you're still gonna lose. Um, <laughs> it's more than wins than last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Duggan said five and twelve too. So we're like, hey, and we'll take improvement any way we can get it. Yeah. Um, Zach, if people want to see Jets tweets, where can they find them? I'm, uh, and subscribe to the Athletic. You can list. You can read you and and Duggan. So it's it's yeah, a win win. And, and any other team you want, and your heart desires, you can read Brooklyn Nets if you want to do that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's at theathletic.com uh, on Twitter at Zach Blatt Z A C K. I have a Jets podcast as well called the Can't Wait Podcast. I'm on YouTube. Yeah, how's that doing? Getting back in the podcast game. It's good. So Con- Connor Hughes is who I replaced, um, and he like built up a pretty good audience on that podcast. So I I was lucky enough to just inherit it. I didn't have to like build up my own audience there. Well, I was gonna but, say, have you gotten any like this new guy sucks? Where's Where's Connor reviews a, a, yet? A, a mix of it, but so like Connor had a thing where he would talk a lot about like golf on the podcast, and a lot of the listeners like because he's he's a big in, in, into golfing, and so a lot of listeners either loved it or were, would get annoyed sense. by him doing that. And so I don't talk about golf since I don't golf. So some of them like it, but I I had one guy accuse me of he's, he's like you look really high and you don't know what the hell you're talking about, and I I had like something like three days three three hours the night before. Um, and so my eyes were like probably like half closed. I'm like, I'm not high, all right. <laughs> I'm, I know you guys get weird comments too on your YouTube, so you probably know what that's like. Our, oh, we used to get them real bad. We don't get them bad, but we had one yesterday. I I actually I try to not tweet out YouTube comment uh screenshots because it just feeds the beast. Um, mm. but it's like we put out an hour long podcast. And someone just were commented, no, they don't. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, we talked about so many topics. Like, what do you mean, no, they don't? What, what, what specific thing are you talking about? Yeah, just no, they don't. It's like, and there's two people on this show with different opinions. Like, they, this could, I mean, there's 30 different things you could say no, they don't to. YouTube and Reddit comments are the reason why I lost 40 pounds. So, wow. Oh, people just shamed you into losing it? Correct. Society peer pressured me into oh, getting geez. healthy. So <laughs> We're a pro-bullying podcast, so. All right, that's an interview. <laughs> I was waiting Zach Rosenblatt. That. This is your last time on the show, most likely, and maybe maybe joint practices next year, so we'll we'll see. Or maybe the Jets and Giants will do a Leonard Williams-type trade again. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll find some excuses to get you back on the show. Thanks again, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, thanks, Zach, for coming on the show. College football. Oh, my gosh, college football is back. That's exciting. I'm excited for the first week of college football this weekend. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. I'm going to look up the college football schedule for this weekend. Uh, I know Nebraska, Miami Nebraska Northwestern. Is that a game that's happening? That might be a game that's uh, worth paying attention to. I know Miami doesn't play, but they play FAMU week one, which is if that's not a game you really want to watch, but it's a, it should be an easy win. And if it's not an easy win, then we are really bad. And In trouble. Fire Mar- Mario Cristobal, even though I'm just kidding. Mario Cristobal, is, he's, he's the real deal. Um, so let's see. Let's look. Let's let's pick our favorite game. Yeah, Nebraska at Northwestern. That's the best one as of right now. I would say. Um, Nebraska's back. Go Big Red. Nick Gates. Austin Allen. Austin yeah, I think Allen. that might be the best one to watch. Let's Charlotte at FAU is not the worst matchup in the world. I wonder what the line is for that game. Um. So and, and enjoy this. Enjoy this, people. 
Um, just know that the U is back. And so is DraftKings. And if that's not enough action, you could place the same game parlay for a shot and even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team uh, to score first, and more. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code JOHNBOY and uh, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, that's uh, that's an episode. Whoa. That's the end. The Northwestern Nebraska game is going to be in Ireland. Yeah, you didn't know that? And Nebraska's like a 13-point favorite. Nebraska's not good. Neither's Northwestern. Okay. That's an interview. Um, yeah, that, that ends our... That's the, literally the last interview you're going to get on Talking Giants until the, until January, at the earliest. It's January. Might not even get one in January. Uh, so, uh, fun off-season interview. So, we'll, we'll recap the uh, Jets game on Monday. And then 53-man roster stuff. So, we'll be back probably on Thursday to recap cuts and waves and all that good stuff um then a mailbag and then it's we're, we're back in the season we got a preview we're gonna have danny king's dumbass on the show so uh we appreciate you guys we'll be back enjoy the metlife bowl and let's win it let's be preseason champs we'll see you monday until then let's go big blue <laughs>